Well, just a couple of little side notes of things going on around here that you may not know of. Um, well, it didn't, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but Boy Scouts used to be, how many were in the Boy Scouts growing up? Raise your hand. Boy Scouts. How about a Cub Scouts? Maybe the Cub Scout guys. How about like little Girl Scouts? Yeah, little brownies, little brownies in the house. And I think that's what they were called, right? Brownies. So, yeah, so, so a little bit, a few years ago, they started going a little sideways, in my opinion. And um, so uh, we've really felt like that we should offer something for our young, young men, at least start there, uh, that's kind of Boy Scoutish in a sense. So we did some search, searching and found uh, this organization called Trail Life, and it's a Christian organization uh, that's basically taking this America by storm. It's taking basically the place of Boy Scouts, what Boy Scouts used to be. And uh, so it's called Trail Life, and uh, it's just teaching young uh, young men, how to live with integrity and be familiar with the wor- wor- uh, woods and camping and things like that. So anyway, we're going to be starting that in the fall. You might want to think, be thinking about that and are excited about that, giving our young people a chance to experience what perhaps you experienced as a, as a young person when you were growing up. And uh, Bobby Woods uh, is going to be heading that up and appreciate Bobby and uh, doing that for us. It's a great, great outreach. Also, just... I'll let you know, I was visiting with our county jail chaplain, and as some of you know that we are in that venue there uh, with our messages online, and uh, so we send that, they had little tablets, and um, they, they rent these little tablets out, and they can get 15 minutes at a time, so we, we uh, are on their tablets, we're the only um, probably really Christian anything going on in those jails other than just the chaplain himself and uh, what he offers, and he's a great guy, and he's doing a great job. 630 inmates in the county jail, and they're building another tower, which will now allow them to, um, unfortunately, um, house 1,000. And so um, we kind of got in on the ground floor, and through these tablets, we're able to bring the gospel message to them. And so the, the, the chaplain was talking says, uh, to me, he said, JP, they, the inmates love the service. They, they, they cannot get enough of it. And he said, he said uh, many of them watch it more than once, twice, three times. They, they just keep watching it and, and they come to him and they're like, where is this church at? We, we want to go, as soon as we get out, we're going there. And, I, and I'm like, come on, bring them on, man. Let's, let's, let's do it. And so, so we're very excited about that. And um, the, the chaplain brought this out. He said, JP, you know, in the jail, there really is no music. Uh, you know, we, they're not allowed YouTube and things like that. And so he said, the only music they get access to really is that one song. We, put, we, we take one of our worship songs and then we, you know, put like a 10-minute message on top of it. And he goes, that one song is all the worship they get. And they're starving for worship. He goes, can, can, can you do something else with the worship? Can you give us more? And so we're going to be giving them two 15-minute sessions, one nothing but our worship service, and then one but the Word. And, and so, yeah. Listen, if you're in a dark place or in a hard situation, and you don't know what worship is, and you come across worship and praise, it, something responds in your heart, and that's what's taking place in the jail. And they're hearing some of them worship for the first time in their life, and their hearts are jumping up and down with excitement. And so we're going to respond to that, and we're just going to just keep pumping it into them as well. So, man, so why don't we do this? Let's just welcome everybody watching online and wa- watching through or the airwaves through uh, at the county jail. Can we just give them one more? We just love you. We just thank you. We're here for you. Welcome. And thank you for watching online. Well, there's a man, he was in boot camp, and uh, they were going to go through an assimilated uh, training session uh, for their training exercises. And so uh, they showed up, and they were going to, like, fight against each other. And the guy, one guy's shoulder shows up, and he goes, look, I'm sorry, but I forgot my gun. He's like, you, for, you forgot your gun? He goes, yeah, I, I don't... Well, you don't have time to go back and get, just use a broom. Just use this broom handle. And whenever you come across somebody and they jump out from behind a tree, just go bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and, and then if they get too close to you, just, you know, act like you got a bayonet and just go sticky, sticky, sticky. <laughs> he goes, okay, uh, whatever. So 
He goes into the simulated warfare experience and training, and the guy jumps out, and he goes, bangy, 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 and, and, and the guy fell, falls over. He's like, whoa, looks at his broom handle. Like, so he walks a little further, another guy jumps, bangy, 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 he falls over. And he kept doing this, everyone's falling over. He's like so impressed with his broom handle. Finally, this other guy comes over the hill. He's running down towards him. He goes, bangy, bangy, bangy. And he keeps running. Bangy, bangy, bangy. He keeps running. He puts his bayonet. He goes, sticky, sticky, sticky. And the guy keeps coming. He goes, how come you're not falling down? He goes, tanky, tanky, tanky. <laughs> tanky, tanky, tanky. Come on, somebody. I'm a tank. Oh. Well, since you like that one. So did you know... That you will never find a dead crow on the side of the road. You'll never find a dead crow on the side. You'll see armadillos, you'll see deer, you'll see dogs, you'll see cats, but you never see a dead crow. You know why you never see a dead crow? Because he's got a friend up in the up in the tree saying, Caw! Caw! <laughs> Amen. We can go home. We're done. Oh, no. So we've been in this series called Boot Up, and uh, we've, I've been enjoying myself. I don't know if you have or not, but we're basically working through the armor of God that's laid out before us that we've been given in Ephesians chapter 6. I think it's been an incredible uh, series and way to be healthy and, and to take up that armor that's been given to us to live our lives out in a way that God has asked and called us to walk it out. So just a way of review, the belt of truth was the first uh, thing mentioned, the first article, and, and it basically is speaking to us that the belt the, around us, it's our balance, it's, a, it's the way we stay um, you know, upright, and, and it's where the middle of our equi uh, equilibrium is, and, and that, that's where truth must be, the belt of truth, and, and, um, and how the enemy is the father of lies. And um, in fact, I want to do something for a second. Um, Pastor Michael Brown, his wife, Ani, y'all here in the house, and your family, they're down here for vacation. Why don't you stand up and wave to everybody, good friends of ours for years. Would you stand up, wave everybody? Come on, they're from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Glad to have you with us. You're amazing. Uh, years ago when I pastored in Missouri, they would drive up from Fayetteville to Southwest Missouri, like an hour, 15, 30 minute drive, and uh, she would help us lead worship, and Michael was there as well. Uh, just incredible. They used to be missionaries uh, with their parents, uh, Michael was uh, down in Peru, and uh, we were just talking, chit-chatting uh, here a few days ago, and Michael brought up something very, um, I thought it was very good, I had to take some notes, and and he said, uh, you know, JP, light defines, light defines. And, and I said, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, basically, you know, if, if we were to be in this room and all the lights were off, we wouldn't see the chairs or we wouldn't see the, the, the podium or the walls or the handrails. It would be here, but we wouldn't see it. We wouldn't experience it. In fact, we, we would just be in a space in a moment uh, without the ability to see really what's there. But the moment you turn the light on, then suddenly that light defines everything you're in. It defines everything that's around you. And I said, that's a powerful, powerful thought. He said, you know, when, when, when we were living in Peru, during that time in the, in the 90s, 80s and 90s, there was a there's a guerrilla group that rose up as a communistic group called the Shining Path, and, and they were trying to bring Peru into the communist regime and mentality and thought process. And, and so they did guerrilla warfare, and, and over the course of their uh, tyranny, 70,000 innocent people in Peru died from the Shining Path. And they were living down there during that time. And, and he said, you know, whenever they would go into a region to to you know, create havoc and tear and hurt and harm and steal and murder, whatever, the first thing that they did was they took out the electricity where everything would be dark so they could do their maneuvering in the darkness. And, and see, that's exactly what the enemy does, right? He's the father of lies. And he lies to you in a place of darkness. 
brings you into darkness where you really don't even see clarity anymore. You don't see def definition anymore. Everything's like gray or cloudy or you don't even understand the direction that you should even be walking because you, you just, you're in darkness. You can't see. You don't, you're afraid to move. You're even paralyzed sometimes, depressed, discouraged, distressed, and don't even want to get out of bed. That's what darkness does to a person. But yet when Jesus comes into your life, come on somebody, the light comes on, clarity comes, and you know exactly where you're supposed to go. Can you give God some praise for the belt of truth wrapped around your waist? And then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and how righteousness was given to us by Christ. It's not something that we earn. It's an identity that we have in Jesus Christ. It's not our behavior. Our behavior does not determine our identity. And then week three, uh, Patrick talked about our feet being shod with the gospel of peace, that peace is not passive. In fact, peace is not a life lived without conflict, but it's the presence of conflict, and yet we have peace in the midst of it. And then last week, we talked about the shield of faith. And I didn't feel like we got through completely with that. So I wanted to come back to that topic, the shield of faith. So let's just jump into the text, Ephesians chapter six, read it again, because there's just no harm in reading the word of the Lord. Can't get enough of it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes or a strategy against you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, that when the day of evil comes, what's the day of evil? The day that you're being attacked. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With, and here we go, here's how we stand. With the belt of truth buckled around our waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Notice it's an action. Take up the shield of faith. Notice he did not say, oh, Make sure you got that shield and you're dragging it along with you wherever you go. Notice he didn't say, make sure that you got a shield called faith and you throw it in some kind of a, an accessory bag and you kind of have it with you sometime, somewhere around you, or close by where you can get to it when you need it. No, it's not a handbag, it's not a purse, it's not something you drag around, it's something you pick up when the fiery darts come against us. So pick it up, he said. God doesn't hand it to you, you have to do it. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So last week we showed you a picture of basically just kind of a, a drawing of a guy with a shield. And the shields were even sometimes even larger than that, They're typically around four feet in and height, and they were for us to be able to, or the soldier to extinguish uh, or ward off an arrow, typically being uh, shot with a burning tip on the end of it. And so he would, he would pick up this shield and he would guard himself against the flaming darts, the arrows that were coming with his wetted down shield. And so what we brought out was that when you pick up your shield, that you are really saying, I'm ready for battle. You, you don't really have a shield. You, you may be sitting at the camp, but if you're just sitting around in camp, you're not sitting around the camp holding your shield. You, you're only holding your shield when you're going into what? You're going into battle. So when you're holding, when you're picking up your shield, what you're actually saying is, I am ready for battle. Let's move out. It's time to engage the enemy. The shield is not necessarily something that you just pick up as you're sitting there um, making beans over the campfire and making coffee and making small talk and you see, oh, there's an arrow coming up. I'll pick up my shield. No, you, you use a shield when you're moving out, when you're engaging the enemy. And so my question to you this morning is what are you trusting God for in your life? What, what faith do you need in your life 
that if God doesn't do it, it's just not going to happen. It's a shield of what? Faith. In other words, it hasn't happened yet. It's still in the future. But what is it that you need faith for to see happen in the days to come? In other words, anything of significance that God's going to do is going to require faith on your part. Let me just say that one more time. Anything of significance that God's going to do in and with you in this world is going to require you to move out in faith. Let me say it like this, that God will never ask you to do something that you can do on your own. Why would he ask you to do something that you can do all by yourself and write himself out of the script? He wants to be part of the story. In fact, when the story's done, he wants it to read like this, and so-and-so did such-and-such because God helped them. He he doesn't want the story to read, and -and so-and-so did such an incredible, miraculous thing because they're just an incredible person. He wants to receive all the glory. All the glory goes to him. So God says, I'm going to put you in situations and in some ways, it's going to be like a battle. It's going to be like a confrontation of forces you're up against, and it's going to require a breakthrough. But the only way you're going to get the breakthrough is if God, I, where God comes in, and he comes in your behalf, and he gives you the breakthrough. So when you break through on the other side, everybody looks around. You're surprised you're still standing, and people go, how did you do this? And you go, I don't, didn't do a thing. It's all God. And God gets the glory. Yeah, I, uh, I heard this quote, and I believe it to be true, that life begins when your comfort zone ends. You know how come I know that's a true fact? Because I saw it on a coffee mug. <laughs> if it's on a coffee mug, it's got to be true. But no, man, when I saw that on the coffee, I'm like, what, that, that's powerful. Let me say it again. Life begins when your comfort zone ends. But when you are feeling stretched, when you feel like, man, I'm really out there. I feel like, man, everything's just like pulling against me. Well, guess what? You're living life. If you're not being stretched, if you're not being pulled to some degree, then you're not living life. Your comfort zone has to be challenged. So when you pick up the shield of faith, what you're basically is saying is, God, you're going to have to do this because I can't do this on my own. God, you have to do that. I'm picking up this shield and I'm moving forward by faith, uh, the, believing that you are going to do this because I can't do it on my own. Aren't you? Do you believe that this morning, church? Aren't, aren't you glad you have a shield? And when, when, when I say shield, I, I want you to understand, as we tried to bring out yesterday, last week, it's an, an offensive weapon. It's, it's not so we always think of shield, perhaps, as like, oh, he's coming at me, like, you know, a Star Wars attack, you know. No, it, it, you're getting darts because you're going forward, you're moving forward, you're trusting God for something, you're walking forward in faith. But sadly, many people will never take up a shield of faith because they're never moving forward. They're never advancing anything other than their own agenda. And God is saying, if you want, if you want to experience me, if you want to experience miracles, if you want to experience signs and wonders, if you want to experience something beyond your own self, it's going to require you picking up a shield of faith from time to time, and you're going to stand there, and you're going to believe, and you're going to keep moving forward, and trust that I am with you, and I'm going to help you, and you're going to see an incredible miracle take place. So let's understand faith a little bit better. Let's understand faith. What is faith? Faith is knowing something. You can write this down. It's probably not in your notes, but write it down. Faith is knowing something is going to happen and being sure of it. Knowing something is going to happen and you are absolutely sure it's going to happen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seeing. There's an old saying, seeing is believing. I, I used to uh, live in Missouri, you know, grew up in Missouri, born there, and uh, Missouri people are known for these people that will not believe something unless they see it. Uh, and and that's, the, that's their slogan, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. 
Missouri stubbornness. Let me just say, seeing is not believing. That is not true. People who walk by their eyes are not people who walk by faith. I, can, I cannot walk by faith if all I use are what my eyes of what I see and what I touch and what I'm experiencing and what I'm thinking at the moment. And now, now, how do I know this to be true? I know this to be true because, let me just give you this, let me, I'll move you that in a minute. Here, here, let me just give you a review. Last week, and you write this down in your notes, little faith, we talk about little faith, is saying God can do that. God can do this. Usually it's coupled in a phrase, something like this when someone's praying for you, Lord, if it be your will. I, I, I've, I've had people pray for me and, and they've said those words. And that's okay, at least they're praying. I'm thankful for that. But that's praying with little faith. That's basically saying, I wanna make sure I have an out in case nothing happens, right? Lord, if it be your will, well, it didn't happen. Well, it wasn't God's will. Well, maybe you didn't have enough faith. Well, okay, I don't know though. And so what is, that's little faith. Here's, here's great faith. Great faith says this, God will do it. God will do this, that's great faith. And you're like, whoa, what could be greater than that? Well, what's greater than that is called perfect faith. What's perfect faith? Perfect faith says, it's already done. Let's just stand here and watch it manifest. That's, that's called perfect faith. And that's where God wants to bring us. Let me give you an example. There's a crowd, they gathered around Niagara Falls. And there's a large crowd, it was early in the morning, and the sun was up and it was a beautiful day. And they gathered together because they had heard Blondin was going to walk a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And so they gathered there and they could not believe that someone would dare to walk across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope without a net, without a safety harness. That was just beyond them. And so, and so they gathered there and, and Blunt was like, how many believe I can do this? Yeah, yeah, okay. And so he got up and he tested all the ropes and the cables and made sure everything was good. He double tested, triple tested, made sure everything was good. Finally, when he felt comfortable and it was about that time, he went and got his pole and he got up onto the tightrope and he began to make his journey across the Niagara Falls, one step at a time. And out there in the middle, it started swaying a little bit and he just stopped and paused and would just kind of make sure he got his balance back and then he'd take another step. And then he'd take another. And to their amazement, he made it all the way there. And then he made it all the way back. And they were like, oh, Blondin, you're awesome, you're awesome, awesome, Blondin. And Blondin goes, thank you, thank you very much, but I have a, a question here. How many, how many here believe that I could carry someone on my back across the Niagara Falls? Yes, we believe you could do that. You're amazing. The amazing Blondin. We believe you could carry someone on your back. He goes, okay then, who's going to get on my back? And let me carry him. Everyone kind of looked around. You're amazing, Blondin. You're amazing. You're amazing. You can do whatever you want. You are awesome. You're awesome. Finally, one little voice in the back of the crowd. I do, and I will. And he made his way through the crowd. And he stepped up to Mr. Blondin. He goes, sir, I, I believe you can carry me across. He said, all right. And they had a little powwow and showed him, told him what exactly he wanted him to do and how, how he was supposed to. He said, listen, you can't, you can't make any moves when you're on my back. You, 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 you keep your head still. You don't lean to the right. You don't lean to the left. You just do whatever I do. You understand that? You do not do nothing but hold on. And we're going to make it to the other side, son. And then we're going to make it back. He goes, I believe, I believe. And he got up on his shoulders and blonde and walked across well, on his back with this young man and he walked back. What am I saying? I'm saying everybody in the crowd believed, but only one had faith. Because a faith says, I just don't believe it, but I'm gonna put an action to it. The point is, 
Faith is something that must be acted upon. You pick up the shield of faith. You get on the back. You, you, you cause your steps to be dictated by what you believe in your heart to be true. And can I just say this? When you move out in faith and when you begin to do those things that, that God's put in your heart and, and you know it can't take place without God doing it, then get, that is when God is the most pleased with you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Pastor Phil Clemens in our house here today, man, I, I, I sit down, and he's just like full of these like little one-liner nuggets, you know? And uh, so every time he's talking, I write down all these little nuggets. And one of the things he said a while back to me, he said, JP, if you can see it, then you can become it. Because that's what faith is. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. If you can see it, then you can become it. And that's what God challenges us, to see something through the eyes of the Spirit, through eyes of faith, so in due time, it will be made <clears throat> manifest and we can become it or see it happen. So real quickly, to get to what we didn't get to last week, how to develop perfect faith. How can we develop perfect faith? Number one, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the point is hunger for rhema words. We're going to hunger for rhema words. We're going to hunger for rhema words. Romans 10, 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now, early on in my Christian walk with the Lord, I was told that verse, JP, if you want faith, you just got to you got to hear the word more. You just got to get the word inside of you. I'm like, well, how do I get the word? <laughs> how do I get the, the word inside of me? And they said, well, you just got you know, to read it all the time and listen to it all the time. And, and I'm like, well, well, obviously I want faith and I want to get it in me. So I, I'm going to figure this out. So I went and bought some um, cassette, cassette tapes at that time. Remember how many remember the cassette tapes? Come on, somebody. Man, you're the real deal right there. <laughs> You are, the, you are my, you're my, you're my, my people. And uh, how, how many here had cassette tapes like in a box, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and how many had, how many here eight-track people we got in the house? Oh, whoa. We got eight-trackers in the house, man. All the eight-tracks flying all over the back seat. Anyway, I went and bought me a, a, a Bible on, on tape and got me a little nighttime, you know, a little cassette player. And at night, before I go to bed, I'd, I'd hit that play button, and I'd hear Andrew Scrooby, an English guy, read to me the Bible, and he'd read it all night long. And then I'd get up, I mean, at night before I go to bed, and I, I'd get a verse, and I'd just, I'd just memorize it, memorize it, memorize it. And uh, I'd get up in the morning, and I couldn't remember the verse I, I memorized. And it, it just frustrated the daylights out of me. And I kept listening to Andrew, and go to bed at night and, of course, you know, wake up in the morning. I, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm so, I, don't feel like, I don't feel like this thing's getting in me. I don't know what else to do. I'm just perhaps a dumb person. And then, then it dawned on me. This verse here, the word word, is the word rhema word. Now, in the Greek language, there's two different words for word. One is the logos word, which is like reading a newspaper or magazine or something like that. Information. And I was doing a lot of logos reading. But a rhema word is different. It means a God-breathed word. Where literally God breathed upon that verse or passage or scripture, whatever it was. And he, he, he breathed on it. What I mean by that is that... that when, when you read it, something takes place and you get it. It's like a revelation and, and it goes from the page to your heart. And you're like, whoa, 
Wow, that, that's what that means. That's what that's about. I, I need to line my life with that. That's incredible. And when I begin to get Raymond, when I begin to experience that, when I would open my Bible, I would say, Holy Spirit, I'm about to open my Bible right now. And I just pray that as I'm reading it, you will speak to me through this word right here. Through, give me a rhema word. I would say that. Give me a rhema word. And so I would be reading along, and then I'd come across something. i go, whoa. And there it was. God breathed it. It became not this. It was not no longer information, but it came, became life-giving. It became a principle that I said, I need, I'm not operating in that principle. I need to change this here. I need to, I mean, and all sorts of things in my life begin to line up according to this God. And then I would be talking to somebody and then I'd be talking and then I would quote them a scripture and I'm like, oh, where did I learn that? I don't even know when I learned it other than it was a God breathed into my life. And so when you want to walk in perfect faith, you have to hunger for a rhema word from God. You've got you to look at this, believe it, and, and be listening for it to speak to you. <laughs> so, so my wife and I, we, 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 we felt like we needed to downsize. So we sold our house here recently, and we moved into a, a, a smaller house that happens to be on a very busy road. And so I have a window in my office, in my house, that looks and faces the road. So about a week and a half, two weeks ago, they put, <laughs> they put up this big, huge orange sign that you pull behind a truck, you know, and uh, they put it on the side of the road, and it's big old with flashing words that says, bridge is out, road closed. Underneath the orange sign was a white sign with black letters, 2.3 miles from this point, bridge is out. Very clear. You go another mile and a half down the road, and there's another orange box, big old huge thing, flashing lights, bridge out. And our house is the last house before that bridge is out. There's nothing past our house. There's not a business, there's not a house, there's, not, there's nothing there. It's just the bridge. And I'm sitting there for the last two weeks in my little office, and I look out and I, whoom, 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 and then whoom, whoom. I mean, little cars, big cars, fat cars, trucks, semi-trucks, trucks pulling trailers, semi-trailers, I'm semi-trailers. Semi-trucks, I just sit there now and I go, hey, I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> hey, well, you know what I've noticed is that when they go by this way, they may be going like 45, 50 miles an hour, but when they come back, they're going like 75, 80 miles, like, whoa! And I know exactly what's going on inside of their car. They're cussing. They come on. They're, they're upset. They're mad. They're mad. As I even see city trucks coming by and turning around and going back. I'm like, seriously? You work for the city and the county. You should know this stuff. So it's dawned on me that either people can't read around here or they choose not to read and believe what they read. Oh, I see, a bridge is out. But that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> they don't know what I drive. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we live our lives thinking that everything pertains to everybody else except us? I do. I was driving, self-confession, I feel like I need to get this off my chest. I was, I was driving from the fire department this morning after we did our devotion with the guys, and I was on the way here, and I felt I, was, I, felt I needed to get here a little quicker than I, I was getting here, and so when I got down one of them side streets, man, I just kind of, whoo, I was going, and there was a little police officer right there on the side. I cried out, grace, grace, grace! And he just waved at me, he waved at me, it was the grace of God, I'm telling you. I'm confessing, I'm confessing. <laughs> but we, we, choose, we, choose to, we choose not to believe that 
This word means what it says. We, we, we don't take the word and, and embrace it. I mean, all, all you got to do, that first, that first sign when it says bridge is out, is go, huh, bridge is out. I think I'll turn around and go another way. But no, how much time have, you, have they wasted? I hope some of you are not in that. I mean, I hope some of you have not. I hope I haven't seen some of y'all. If, I, if, if, you, if that was you, I apologize. I don't mean nothing bad. How much time, how much frustration, how much stress they would have eliminated if they would have just believed what they saw to be true. Number two. Well, let me, before we get to number two, don't give number two yet. Let's show a picture of um, the second picture of, we showed it last week, of the, of the group of guys. So this is how, this is how they would attack. It was a, it was a, a modern version of a tank. And they, they, they would, all of them huddled together, a picture of the church, huddled together, they would, they would move forward. <clears throat> and here's, here's what I want you to understand. When you pick up your shield of faith, you are not fighting against the devil, but you are fighting for the presence of God. Let me say it over here. When you are fighting and you pick up the shield of faith, you're not fighting against the devil, but you're fighting for the presence of God. Y'all got it? We'll try this group over here. When you are fighting and you pick up the shield of faith, you're not fighting against the devil as much as you are fighting for the presence of God. I'm not even worried about y'all right here. <laughs> y'all get it. In this, in this format here, they're literally carrying the presence of Rome or whatever entity that they are moving forward. They're literally carrying that presence forward. They're, they're inside and they're encouraging one another. Joe, lift that thing up a little bit higher. You're letting it down. Come on. Jim, a little bit faster. Come on, fall in step. Come on, close in the ranks. And there's this presence going on. There's this strength taking place. When, when, when you move together in faith with your brothers and sisters, when you come together in small group settings and Wednesday night Bible studies and all these kind of things that are available for us, when you come together and you put your shields together, you begin to move forward and that word begins to create, that faith begins to create inside of you a presence that's magnified. David said, come magnify the Lord with me. In other words, you can't magnify God by yourself. You have to have other people to magnify God and God's presence becomes magnified. And so when we move the agenda of God forward by faith in the earth, God's presence is becoming larger and larger and larger. And so all we need is the presence of God. I don't need to fight the devil with the little arrows and things back. All I need is the presence of God because when the presence of God is made manifest, everything else has to go. I'm not pulling out, you know, some kind of a, a, a machine gun. Come on, devil. Come on. Give me your best shot. I got a faithful in here somewhere. I, no, I, I just need the presence of God. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I just need to lift him up and praise him and worship him and not lose the presence of God. That is my shield. And number two, quickly, how to have perfect faith. I communicate with God with an expectation of an answer. I'm not talking, I'm not just talking to him about a need that I may have or a want that I may have, but I'm making God an everyday lifestyle. Listen to me, I, I'm waking up talking to him. I'm brushing my teeth talking to him. I'm filling my atmosphere with praise and worship. I'm talking about God throughout the day. I'm meditating on, on God at night. I'm making him a part of my lifestyle. It's not a, oh, I'm gonna put my God thing on Sunday morning. 
No, I'm, I'm the same Monday as I was Sunday and the same Wednesday as I was Sunday. I, I'm seeking the Lord. I'm hungering after the Lord and, 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 and I'm believing that he's hearing. I'm believing that he's dropping words into my spirit and I'm believing with expectation for him to answer and bring increase in these areas that I'm praying into. Faith will begin to increase even in your life. It's like, a, it's like a muscle that grows. The more you use it, the greater your faith becomes. And God's challenging some of us in this house this morning. It's time to pick up the shield. You've laid down your shield. You've been dragging along behind you. It's time to pick up the shield. There's some things uh, that you need to go through and battle against uh, that you have not. You've laid down your faith shield, and you've been taking shots, and things are coming at you, and you're going backwards. You're like, what's happening? This God thing must not be real. This, this faith thing must not be real. No, go pick up your shield and start moving forward and watch what God will do. When Danny Gokey was here, he said this, faith keeps you stable when the world is unstable around you. I caught that. Many years ago, there was a group of people, and they wanted to build a suspension bridge across a gorge. But how in the world? I mean, it was years ago, and how are we going to build this suspension bridge? So they came up with this idea, and they, they, they got a bow and an arrow, and they tied a very thin, very thin string, almost like, like a thread almost, on the end of an arrow. And they got their best archer out, and he shot that arrow across the gorge with this little thread attached to it. They grabbed that arrow on the other side, and what they had done when they shot the thread, they also tied at the end of the thread a little twine, a little string. And so they began to pull this thread across the gorge that was tied at the end with a little tiny string. And at the end, when they got the string across the gorge, tied to the end of the string was a bigger string and then a piece of twine, and tied to that twine at the end was something bigger called, called, called a rope. And they pulled the rope across, and tied to the end of the rope was a chain. And they pulled the chain across, and tied to the end of that chain was a bigger chain. And tied to the end of the iron chain with steel beams. And before long, they had all the means that they need to build a suspension bridge across the gorge. It all started with a piece of thread tied to an arrow. What am I saying? God doesn't need huge, humongous faith for you to see things happen. He just needs you to step out a little bit with a little thread, if you would, and he just needs you to shoot your prayer of threaded faith into the air, airwaves, and he will take that, and he, if you will keep and hold on to that thread, it'll become a string, it'll become twine, it'll become a rope, it'll become a chain, it'll become a beam. God will cause you to grow in your faith until you see God begin to do things, and you'll go, what in the world is happening? Only God could have done that, and that's called faith. You got to use your faith muscle. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder, tell him, use your faith muscle. Come on, you're getting a little lean here. And lastly, and we're done, we have to pick up the shield, and as we mentioned last week, move out for God. Behind all great people of faith mentioned in the Bible. There was this action that took place tied to their faith. Hebrews 11 gives us a list of people in the Bible that used their shield of faith in incredible manners. Now, let me just say this as a disclaimer. Most of these people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. These, this hall of fame of faith, if you would. Many of them had flaws. But they also have faith. Which is good news to me because what that tells me is that, that God forgets about my faults, but he never forgets my faith. Amen. God will forget 
your fault, but he will not forget your faith. So many times we're like, oh, I wish I could do so-and-so. I wish I could be like somebody. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that and, and see God move and use me like so-and-so he does and blah, blah, blah. And all we think about is all of our faults. And God goes, I wish you really would get that out of your head. I'm not looking at your flaws. I'm not looking at your faults. I really just am really trying to find some faith in the earth. That's why his eyes are going to and fro. And finally, he found Abraham, a man of faith, a man of after his heart, a man who loved him and, and believed in him, who believed his word. God just needs one person that has faith. He just needs one. In Hebrews chapter 11, you can look at it. It's, it's just all these lists of people. Abel, by faith, offered an acceptable sacrifice. Enoch, by faith, pleased God and passed on didn't even die. Noah, by faith, built an ark. Abraham, by faith, uh, believed God for a son at the age of 100 years old. By faith, Isaac uh, blessed his son's future. By faith, Jacob blessed his son's future. By faith, um, uh, Joseph uh, promised, uh, uh, was a, led Israel into a place of uh, prosperity and promise in Egypt. And Moses, by faith, led Israel out uh, through a Red Sea. Rahab, by faith, uh, risked her life and put a red thread on the wall of Jericho so they could come and take those city. By faith, Gideon believed God could use him to defeat the Philistines. Barak, by faith, won a great battle. Samson, by faith, destroyed the Philistines. Jephthah, by faith, won a great battle. David, by faith, became a man after God's own heart. Samuel, by faith, prophesied over Israel. Do you get the clue here? By faith, uh, something has to happen. God's just looking for a little faith in the earth. These people were doing something with what they believed. They weren't just sitting around going, I believe, I believe, I believe. You can believe all day. But at some point, you're going to have to get off the pot, as mama used to say, or really my dad. We have a Monday morning small group with some guys who work construction. One of the guys, Zach Estes, said this. He said, man, when he said this, it blew my mind. I love it when I hear God through people. He said, you can always see God show up in the past, but it takes faith to see him show up in the future. Oh, I, I got to say that again, Zach. You can always see God show up in the past, but it's going to take faith to see God show up in the future. Mm. What are you saying, JP? I'm saying great things happen with people that move out in faith. And here's the good news. We all have a measure of faith. There's not a person here who goes, oh, I wish I had faith. No, you got a measure. We all have a measure. I don't need to quote to you the scripture that says if you had just, just faith as a, a grain of mustard seed, you could do, you can tell the mountain to move. There's not a person in this room that does not have a measure of faith. It's right there in seed form in your life. So whatever's going on with your family or friends or finances or health, community, neighbors, coworkers, the nation, here's the good news. You have the faith to move the kingdom of God forward and see God's presence change whatever situation that's in front of you by faith. Wouldn't it be great if we wrote a book of all the stories in about 10 years, five years that we're gonna do? By faith, Susie saw her dad saved. By faith, Lauren stepped out and God rewarded her faith of tithes and offerings, give her a brand new car. By faith, Jimmy believed God for his coworker to be saved and led him to the Lord three months later. By faith, can you just see what kind of a beautiful book that would be? By faith. By faith, people 
came to Foley and Gold Shores and Orange Beach to get a rest, but they found God because of Summit Church and the people of faith. By faith, Summit Church changed the region. By faith, by faith, by faith, everything is by faith. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. Everything begins by faith. And you're here this morning, you're no different. And my question for you is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because any steps of faith starts with Him, Him in your heart. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again in order to restore a relationship that was broken between you and the Father God? Do you believe that He can forgive all of your sins? And do you believe that he can give you a new life, a new start? That's called coming to know Jesus. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor JP, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to, by faith, believe not only that he lives, but he lives in my heart. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to say a prayer for you right where you're at, all across this room. I want, by faith, to walk with Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. Amen, amen, amen. Can we just have a word of prayer together? I want to lead you in a prayer. And that prayer is this basically invitation of Jesus in your heart. Would you say this with me? Can we all say it together, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and restore my life. Thank you for that invitation. I believe you heard me and received me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for praying that prayer. Thank you for inviting Jesus into your heart. Thank you, thank you. I mean that. Thank you so much. In fact, you prayed that prayer. We're going to have a tent outside. We want to give you a Bible, a brand new Bible. We're going to give you some information. For everybody else here, we're going to stand in just a minute. Before we do, I want to say a prayer over all of us, that God will help us. One more time, can we just bow our heads? Father God, we thank you for the adventure of faith that you've invited us into. And we believe and we understand today that with faith comes actions. So we choose today to pick up the shield of faith. We choose today to ask you to begin to move in our hearts in supernatural ways, in our lives, in supernatural ways. And we give you the thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen.